Hello, you are listening to Getting After Lefty, starring Gary Gatehouse, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We have good questions on the show, like... Uh, Mr. Obama, sir, I have a, just a quick question, if I can. Um, I was wondering, you know, just uh, where... Uh, where the hell is your birth certificate? Yeah, baby, let's rock it. It's Wednesday. It's hump day. It's hump day in America, hump day in the free world. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, exercising my First Amendment rights. I tell it like it is, pull no punches, and I call a spade a spade when we get after day. That's right, folks. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, getting after lefty. Home of news and support for Mr. Donald Trump. Radio Trump is on the air. Gary Gatehouse, Wednesday show, getting after lefty. And you know, folks, before I kick off my monologue, I would like to direct this comment or this message directly to Congress, both Democrats and Republicans. Listen up, you yokels up there inside the Beltway. Listen up, all you people, all you political whores that live in and operate out of the largest, biggest, hugest political whorehouse in the world. The message is to you, senators and congressmen, the president and everybody that works for you. We the people are putting you on notice. We the people who have been lied to for decades, we have finally awoken to the fact that the political cartel, formerly known as Congress, has been screwing us for years. We the people have figured it out. All out. We figured out all about Washington, D.C., inside the Beltway politics, and we are saying emphatically right now, from this day forward, you do not have any influence on any of us Anymore, we the people, all you politicians that have built your ivory towers, been in the political system for years, your days are numbered. No more career politicians, no more flim-flammers, no more liars, cheats, scumbags, better known as career politicians. It's a new day in America. We the people win. Status quo politicians lose. I had to get that off my chest. You know, I'm getting sick and tired of watching these politicians parade across the TV screen still after they have seen and been smacked in the face by the American people telling them that we are sick and tired of what they're doing. We are sick and tired of their shenanigans. And we don't want to listen. We don't want to buy into. We don't want to support. Oh, there's a few out there that are still hung up with and still part of the political process known as Congress. Still hung up with all those congressmen and senators and pay attention to them. I don't know who you are. I know you're out there. But you're not at a part of the people I'm talking to. I'm talking to real Americans who have finally said this is enough. We have finally arrived at that tipping point, ladies and gentlemen, and that tipping point is now. We are telling Congress no more career politicians. No more politicians, period. We're all in with outsiders, namely Mr. Donald Trump and Mr. Ben Carson. We are all in with them. 
The rest of you can go jump off a cliff or in a lake or whatever. You know, folks, like I said, it's a new day in America. It's a new day in America. The media knows it. The politicians know it. And secretly, they're hiding behind closed doors up there in Congress trying to figure out how they can overcome this and combat this. Why, these people are actually trying to vote in a man that's not a part of the political cartel, Donald Trump or ben, Mr. Ben Carson. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And the mainstream media, who makes a big chunk of their living off of getting all these pundits and hacks all rounded up for their analysis like Fox uh, News has all the time, one after another, they run analysis up on what that guy said, what this guy said, what do you think going to impact on him, what's going to happen with this guy, and then he brings some more analysis people in to analyze the analysis people before him. It's ludicrous. It's crazy. It's nuts. It's not news anymore. It's, it's freaking political entertainment. You know, I used to I used to tune into Fox News to get my to get my daily shot of news. But that's not the case anymore. I find myself more and more I don't know about the rest of you listeners out there, but I find myself more and more turning on Fox News and what is the first damn thing I say see is that some man and some woman sitting up there, Martha McCallum and whoever, sitting up there saying, well, did you hear what Trump said today? Did you hear what Cruz said today? You are, what are we going to do about that? Let's get a panel in here. Let's get some analysts in here. Let's get this guy on the t- news. Let's get this hack. Let's get this uh, guy from D.C., this insider, insider, the guy that knows it all, knows the heartbeat and pulse of all the politicians up here. Let's See what's going on. What this this statement that Mr. Donald Trump said yesterday? How is that going to impact on the race? Blah 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 blah. And I find myself turning the damn people off. I can't stand them anymore. I just can't take it. The only person that I watch most of the time in its entirety is Sean Hannity. And sometimes he's becoming more taxing as well. You know, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you this about Gary Gatehouse radio show getting after Lefty. I don't hold my allegiance to anybody when it comes to the corporate world. I don't hold my allegiance to anybody or any damn outfit or any uh, political party when it comes to politics. I just don't. I owe my allegiance to the United States of America. I fought for it on the battlefield in Vietnam. I didn't fight for the political parties. I didn't fight for the mainstream media. I didn't fight for all those political hacks and all those damn inside the beltway people that tried to hoodwink the American people decade after decade after decade. I have had it with them. I owe my allegiance to the United States of America. I owe my allegiance to my fellow Americans. I owe my allegiance to my family, my children, my grandchildren, and future generations. And I do not owe my allegiance to Republicans or Democrats. I vote for who I damn well please. And if there's nobody out there that I like, hell, I ain't going to vote. It just so happens there's a person running for the nomination on the Republican ticket and I have to go that route but I will vote for this man and I will support this man actually there's two of them Mr. Donald Trump 
and Mr. Ben Carson. And that is it. I don't own my allegiance to nobody. Nobody. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. And one more thing. Nobody can buy me. Nobody can influence me. Nobody can tell me what I can and can't say. Like I said in the opening, I exercise my First Amendment right every day on my show. I tell it like it is. I don't pull any punches. I'm not worried about political correctness or offending that person or that party or or that group of people. I don't give a damn. If it's the truth, I'm going to tell it. The rest of them can go jump in the lake, go to hell. I don't care. And like I said, I can't be bought. And there's another person out there that can't be bought either. His name's Donald Trump. Donald Trump's a billionaire. Donald Trump can't be bought. Donald Trump can't be influenced. Donald Trump can't be uh, taken into a back room and told, you will say this or we're going to pull your funding. Pull his funding? What, are you going to get into his bank account and shut it down? You know, ladies and gentlemen, it's almost comical to see these people jumping through hoops to try to figure out a way to shut him down. Jeb Bush brings out his brother, ex-president of the United States, and parades him around all over uh, Carolina. Well, I would venture to say the people aren't there to see Jeb Bush. They're to see uh, W. They're there to see the ex-president of the United States, which when he was president, I was with, with him all the way. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't rub off. It doesn't morph into part of what George Bush was into his brother. They only had the same name. They only had the same parents. That's as far as it goes. Jeb Bush is a wuss. Jeb Bush is a damn little limp-wristed sissy. I can't support that man. There is no way in hell. The difference between his brother W. George W. than him is night and day. Night and day. And I would venture to say the people in Carolina, when they fell out in droves to see the two on the stage together, they weren't there to see Jeb. They weren't there there to see Jeb. They were there to see uh, George W. They were there to see him, ex-president of the United States. Not Jeb. Not Jeb. We'll be right back after the Phyllis Schaffler report and a few messages. Don't go away now. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Mrs. Schlafly is a constitutional attorney, pro-family leader, and author of 25 books, including the best-selling A Choice, Not an Echo. And now, here's Mrs. Schlafly. The terrorist group called ISIS is one of the biggest threats that America faces today. Republican presidential candidates have each laid out their own strategies to stop terrorism at home and abroad including measures such as arming the Kurds, employing carpet bombing, monitoring social media, and tightening security at our border. 
At a campaign rally in Iowa, Hillary Clinton laid out her own plan to deal with ISIS. She said, we've got to do everything we can to weed out hate and plant love and kindness. Hillary is relying on meaningless rhetoric about love and kindness instead of coming up with a real strategy to handle this very real danger. The reason Hillary cannot make a real strategy to defeat ISIS is because the Democrats know that their foreign policy cannot work against a serious terrorist threat. Handling the Islamic State abroad requires a strong military that is willing to completely destroy anyone who would seek the death of Americans and the American way of life. This fact simply does not fall in line with the Democrats' approach of holding peace talks and appealing to the United Nations. Handling Islamic terrorism on our own soil requires that we tighten security at our borders to stop hostile Islamic extremists from stepping foot on American soil in the first place. This does not fit in with the Democrats' agenda for an open border and loose immigration policies. So while Republican candidates are coming up with viable solutions and solid platforms, Hillary Clinton believes that the best way to handle radical terrorists who want to kill Americans is to embrace them with love and kindness. In 2016, voters will have to make difficult decisions when choosing whom to vote for. We need a president who will take a hard stand against all forms of terrorism, both abroad and at home. In 1964, Phyllis Schlafly sold three million copies of her book, A Choice, Not an Echo, because people were tired of closed-door politics and a government that didn't represent hardworking Americans. That message is more important than ever. Go to eagleforum.org for your own copy of the updated anniversary edition at a special discount. That's eagleforum.org. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. This song's dedicated to all you folks that are going to go out and celebrate hump day tonight at your local watering hole, down at your local bar or whatever, trying to find a, well, somebody that you might want to ask, won't you stay just a little bit longer? And you can ask her. Go ahead. Folks that go out and celebrate Hump Day tonight, whether you be in London, New York City, Baltimore, Kansas City, Los Angeles, wherever you may be, Dallas, Fort Worth, Nagadoches, El Paso, Corpus Christi, Tampa Bay, Florida, Miami, take care of yourself. If you're going to have a few libations and you get a little bit tipsy, take a cab. You know, ladies and gentlemen, with uh, the government looking at Scalia, and already they're in a political mode. They're already in a political mode, both parties. 
The Republican Party is saying, well, we're going to hold out until the new president's elected before we select this uh, replacement for Scalia. The Democrats and Obama are stepping up to the plate saying, uh-uh. Obama's saying, I want that man. I want to go in there and nominate somebody right now. I want to get him in office, her in office. I want to get my socialists, one of my communists, one of my uh, progressives up there so we can kind of turn the tide on America and continue on doing what I'm doing, destroying it. That's what Obama's saying. Now McConnell, the turtle, the head of the center, uh, senators up there, the majority, the Republicans up there, uh, Mr. Mitch McConnell, the turtle as I call him, he got up there and said, well, uh, we ain't going to be a let no Obama or the Democrats appoint nobody until after that there uh, election coming up for the president. And I'm saying, oh yeah, McConnell, dime to a dollar you guys fold. Dime to a dollar you give in to Obama. Obama gets his way, the Democrat Party gets their way, you go ahead and nominate whatever sleaze bag he sends up there to you, and that's the bottom that's the bottom line. And I can almost say, and I almost, well, hell, I'll say it. You can take that to the bank based on all past performances or lack of by the Republican leadership, the uh, junior varsity of the Democrat Party. You know, ladies and gentlemen, you got Democrats and Republicans, and they're scratching their heads, scratching their butts, scratching wherever they have to scratch, and they're saying, I don't figure it out. I can't figure it out why. All them people out there, all them dolts out there in the flyover country, down there in the south, why in the hell are they all mad at us? We ain't done nothing. That's right, you ain't done nothing. But destroy us. Wipe out everything this country stands for. You've done that. Both parties. The Republican Party, by not opening their mouth, hiding under their desk and sucking their thumbs. And the Democrat Party, tip of the spear, of Obama's spear and the ide- ideology of progressivism and communism, you have injected that into the political spear in Washington, D.C. Hell, it's been there really since the 30s, the 20s probably. But it's raised its ugly head. It's out of the closet now. And these re- Democrats, they're not afraid to say, I'm a progressive. They know that we know that a progressive just another word for communist. And they're up there and they've already started beating on their desk. We want to appoint somebody to the Supreme Court of our liking. And like I said, dime to a dollar, bet your boots on it. The Republican Party, they'll, they'll crawl out from underneath their desk long enough to vote. And it'll be four or five votes over the top needed to get the Obama dude or dudette put into the Supreme Court. And the Republicans will get behind closed doors and they'll say, well, let me see here, Joe. Uh, you look uh, kind of weak in your constituency right now. Uh, I'm going to let you vote no against this. So you can tell, go back to your constituencies and say, well, I voted against that guy that Obama put up there for the Supreme Court nominee. Check my voting record. That's the way it works in D.C. They work out a deal. They protect all the people in the Republican Party that are senators or House of Representatives, and they protect them by saying, okay, we have this many votes. You don't have to vote in the positive. You can vote against it, and then you can go back and tell your constituencies that you stood tall and against the nomination that Obama sent up to the Demo- uh, through the Democrat Party up to Congress. You are right there hard fest. 
You know, ladies and gentlemen, how many times do we have to get kicked in the teeth, beat over the head, punched in the gut, smashed in the mouth by Congress before we finally wake up? I asked that question many times over the last eight years on the air. And I can finally say we have woke up. We have finally woke up to the fact that these people up in Congress are all of the same cut of cloth. They all had the same end as far as what they want in the political arena. They all want their little ivory tower. They all want their little committee. They all want to be in charge of this or that or on this committee so it can make them look good when they go back to their constituencies and say, well, I was on the House Appropriations Committee, and we had stopped that bill, or we voted for that. That's a bunch of crap. We're not governed anymore. We're ruled. We're lied to. We might as well be in some damn banana public republic down in Brazil or or some in South American country. A damn sure in America when it comes to politics. And one more thing before we go to break. How many of you people out there think that we really should get rid of every damn Republican that's been in office more than 10 years? Get rid of them? Career politicians? We don't need them? Look what they brought us. Look what they've laid at our feet. And it's not just their fault. It's ours for keeping the voting process going and voting the same people in office over and over and over. Hell, my representative's been in office for at least 20, 25 years. He's a backbencher down here in South Texas. And I'm not going to vote for him. I don't give a damn what he said or that he says he's done or not done. I am not voting for him. His time on the ballot, as far as I'm concerned, is finished. I'll give his name. It's Lamar Smith. I'm not voting for him anymore. I'm a registered Republican, but I am not voting for any Republican that's been in office over 10 years. I don't give a damn who they are. Either I'll vote for the person on the Republican side that I think might fill his place and make a better representative of my district, or I just won't vote for that, won't check that box at all. I'll do a write-in, Mickey Mouse, I don't care. I'm fed up with these SOBs. It's the same old regurgitated crap over and over and over, every two years, every four years, and the American people have been following, falling for it for decade after decade after decade. But like I said, we finally awaken. We finally awaken to the fact that we have been and are being screwed by the political process and those who run it sitting up there in their ivory towers looking down at us, trying to dictate to us as we the people that we are no longer in charge. They don't work for us. We work for them. Those days are finished. This is Gary Gatehouse and we'll be right back. Donald Trump learned the values of hard work, determination, and faith at an early age. He went on to build one of the world's most iconic brands and companies, which employs thousands of people. Donald Trump is running for president because politicians are all talk and no action. They will never make our country great again. 
He'll stop illegal immigration and drug trafficking by building a wall on our southern border, and he will make Mexico pay for it. He will negotiate great trade deals and make our military so strong, no country will ever mess with us. Donald Trump will protect Israel and brutally and quickly cut the head off of ISIS. He is self-funding his campaign. He will only be responsible to the American people, not special interests and lobbyists. It's time to make America great again, maybe greater than ever before. Vote Donald Trump for president. I'm Donald Trump. I'm running for president. And I approve this message. Paid for by Donald J. Trump for President, Inc. The American Heart Association presents Mon and Polly, the Better Fat Sisters. Mon, what's cooking? I'm famished. Here you are, Polly, my latest culinary creation. Mmm, these fish fillets look wonderful. Mon, I usually don't eat fried food. All that fat, you know. It's okay, they're grilled, and I use just a bit of a vegetable oil that's low in saturated fat. Does that really matter? It does. Oils like canola, corn, and olive mainly contain monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats, and they can help reduce bad cholesterol in your blood and lower your risk of heart disease and stroke. Did Mother tell you this? The American Heart Association told me. I found the recipe at heart.org slash face the fats. Are we going to eat or just talk about food? Look who's talking. I'm Mon. And I'm Polly. We're, We're the, the Better, Better Fat Sisters. sisters. For more heart-healthy recipes, visit us at heart.org slash face the fats. Canola Info proudly supports the American Heart Association's Face the Fats campaign. Liberty Council is a litigation, education, and policy organization established to preserve and advance religious freedom, the sanctity of human life, and the family. We have offices in various places around the United States and affiliate attorneys in all 50 states, plus a major outreach in the nation of Israel. Don't get discouraged about what's happening in our country and around the world. Get encouraged, get on your knees in prayer, and get involved. Stand with us in preserving our Judeo-Christian values. Visit lc.org. Hey, this is Gary Gatehouse. Just a reminder, tune in to Restoration Radio International this weekend and listen to all three of my weekly shows. Don't forget, Restoration Radio International, weekends, Gary Gatehouse, be there. Yeah, don't forget to listen to the Gary Gatehouse radio show on Restoration Radio International. Coming out of London, England, I'm on there every weekend running shows back-to-back. If you've missed a show during the week, Restoration Radio International, that's the answer. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, with uh, Supreme Court Justice Scalia passing away in his sudden death, there now pops up on the screen the big word conspiracy. The big word for conspiracy. Now, a couple of photographs of President Obama shaking hands with a wealthy Democrat Party donor named John Poindexter who also owns the ranch resort where he found Supreme Court Justice Antonio Scalia dead, has fueled whispers that radio host Michael Savage just gave wings to with the blunt broadcast question, was he murdered? Now Savage posed that question to listeners on his recent show at the same time insisting we need a Warren Commission, like federal investigation, calling Scalia's sudden death serious business. And it was serious business. But you know, there's another, there's a blog out there called DC Whispers. And it stoked the, the flames of conspiracy, I guess you want to call it, even more with a post that includes, like I said, a couple of photographs of Obama and Poindexter, who owns Seablow Creek Ranch, where Scalilla was staying at the time of his death in a friendly handshake. 
The blog says Poindexter, a Texas millionaire businessman, also received an award for Obama for his military service. Well, that's no big thing. That's no big thing. President, I don't like Obama, but presidents do give awards out of, of past duties and past things that military folks have done for, for the country. Poindexter, an admiral, he served in the Vietnam War. He got a, he got a medal from Obama. So what? But as he goes on to say, this blog goes on to say, it has been long-standing policy for the Obama administration to grant presidential awards to those who are among the president's most prized political donors. This is on the D.C. Whispers blog. It was Poindexter who reportedly was among those who initially discovered the justice's body and who then coordinated with local officials to have Justice Scalia declared dead via a phone conversation with the area medical examiner, but without an actual medical examination of the body. Now, don't you think that's kind of weird? I mean, let's get real here. If somebody dies in your family and you live out of... Uh, I, I had a friend pass away a couple of years ago. He passed away in his sleep. His wife called the, the, the EMS. They came out along with the police, the local constabulary. And they, the, the uh, uh, emergency people, declared my friend dead. In bed, he died in his sleep. The, the police were there to see it. The police were there to witness it. And it all went down in a report. Now for Justice Scalia, a Supreme Court member, one of the highest level jobs anybody can own or be a part of, dies at a remote ranch in Texas. And they declare him dead by phone call? Without the medical examiner ever looking at the body? I wouldn't call that conspiracy. I would, I would call that off the end of the table, ladies and gentlemen. Now, the Associated Press reported that Texas Judge Cinderella Gravera initially determined an autopsy should be performed on Scalia's body, but then changed her mind when the justice's doctor confirmed he had a history of heart troubles, and when emergency officials responding to the scene of his death said no foul play was suspected. Ladies and gentlemen, you have emergency people showing up after the fact, after he's already been declared, no medical examiners coming out, just emergency folks. And they say there's no foul. They're not trained in uh, forensics. They're not trained in any of that. But they changed their mind. Texas Judge Cinderella Guevara changed her mind and said there would not be an autopsy. But well, let's back up a little bit. How about this guy that found Scalia's body, John Boindexter? He's a retired admiral. And a bit of background on him. By all counts, he's a genius. He has a Ph.D. in nuclear physics from Caltech, an unimpeachable military record, and has long been one of the most sought-after defense and intelligence consultants in the country, to say nothing of the remarkable fact that Poindexter had actual hands-on experience in dealing with terrorism and terrorist organizations in the Middle East. No one, and I mean no one, would dis dispute his expertise in any of these areas. I would say that with that type of background, his judgment is not in question. But he's not a forensic a person. He's not a forensic expert. I doubt if he has any training at all on forensics. His is military. 
He's a person that can sit down and negotiate. He has nothing to do with forensics. Now, the judge report stressed in red capital letters that Justice Scalia died with a pillow over his head. Justice Scalia had been staying, like I said, at Ciblo Creek uh, Ranch in Texas. It was a remote spot out in uh, West Texas, and this is according to the owner, John Poindexter. Justice Scalia was one of three dozen invitees to an event at the ranch that had nothing to do with law or politics and did not even involve discussions about which of the several obvious routes America was about to select to usher in a calamitous into the republic or whatever the case may be when whoever is elected as president. About 9 p.m., Justice Scalia announced, It's been a long day, this is quoting him, It's been a long day and a long week. I want to get some sleep and probably meet my corporal fate. The next morning at 8.30, when Mr. Poindexter tried to awaken the justice, there was no answer at the door. Mr. Poindexter left and went on on his outing with the other folks, but three hours later he returned to Justice Scalia's suite with a friend to nag him to get him up. You know, get up, buddy! Rediscovered the judge in bed. Now listen to this. This is Poindexter saying this. We discovered the judge in bed, a pillow over his head, said Mr. Poindexter. His bedclothes were unwrinkled, he added. Mr. Poindexter observed that Justice Scalia did not have a pulse and his body was cold, so he had been dead for some time. After consulting with a doctor in Alpine on the phone and trying to raise anyone in the federal government on a weekend, Mr. Poindexter put two and two together and concluded that his guest was indeed dead. At length, the feds flew in by helicopter and told Mr. Poindexter to secure the ranch. Now, there was a couple of veteran homicide investigators in New York and Washington, D.C. And this last Monday, they questioned the way the local federal authorities in Texas handled the death of Supreme Court Justice Antoine Scalia. It's not unreasonable to ask for an autopsy in this case, particularly knowing who he is, retired Brooklyn homicide detective Patricia Tuffalo told the Washington Post. He's not at home. There are no witnesses to his death, and there were no reported explanation for why a pillow is over his head. So I think under the circumstances, said Tuffalo, it's not reasonable to request an autopsy. Now, despite this, ladies and gentlemen, despite this, the fact that he has pre-existing ailments and the fact that he is almost 80 years old, you want to be sure that it's not something other than natural causes. Now, another detective, Bill Ritchie, a former uh, retired deputy chief and former head of criminal investigations for the D.C. police, said he was dumbstruck when he learned that no autopsy would be performed. Quote, I took a look at the report and I almost fell out of my chair, Richie said, the post from his, told the post from his home in Maryland. I used to be an instructor in homicide school. Every death investigation you are handling, you consider it a homicide until the investigation proves otherwise, he said. How do you know that person wasn't smothered? How do you know it was not a homicide until you conduct an investigation? You have to do your job. Once you go through that process, you can conclude that this is a naturally occurring death. Now, 
Patriots Presidio County Judge Cinderella Guevara said she declared Scalia dead via telephone based on what cops and marshals at the scene told her. There, there were no signs of foul play. How in the world can that, that Texas judge, not even seeing the body, say that this is a heart attack? A U.S. marshal can't tell you. You need a medical professional. If this was uh, Joe Blow, you say, okay, 79 years of age, health problems, maybe natural causes, but this is a sitting judge of the Supreme Court. Rivera also spoke by phone with Scalia's physician, who told Scalia he had several uh, chronic medical conditions and had gone to the doctor last week for a shoulder problem. I haven't. I don't remember any time in medical history where a shoulder problem caused the death of a person, and or maybe a shoulder problem somehow got all kind of shaky and reached over and pulled a pillow over a guy's head. But I looked at a forensic uh, pathology. This doctor, 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 uh, Denisha Rayo, homicidal smothering. This is all part of the forensics that a a, for a person running an autopsy would go through. Homicide is possible where the victim is incapacitated from drink, drugs, very weak, now listen to this, very weak, a child, or an old person in ill health. Usually the mouth and nose are closed by a cloth or by hand, or the face may be pressed into a pillow. Autopsy obstruction by bedding, a pillow, a cushion, etc., may not leave external signs of violence, especially in, y- in the young and the old, except signs of asphyxia. When face is pressed into a pillow, the skin may appear pale around the skin, around the nose and the mouth of the face. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, and it also goes on to say there could be saliva or blood tissue may be also found on the pillow. Homicidal smothering is extremely difficult to detect, but an autopsy may detect asphyxia. It may say that by looking at the face and the paleness around the nose and the mouth, through an autopsy, this is not through some uh, little EMT that is uh, trained in emergency medical care, not forensics. This is a person who is trained in forensics performing an autopsy, which was been thrown out the window. There's not going to be an autopsy on this man. But you know, patriots, if you look at the ball, whole ball of wax, none of this seems right. None of this seems right. Remember Vince Foster, Marcy Park, suicide by a revolver that people had a hard time even pulling back the pit, uh, uh, trigger with a, with their trigger finger? You know, a person of such high stature in the federal government no autopsy? He was found dead with a pillow over his head? What does that mean? How many of you folks out there go to sleep with a pillow over your head? How many of you do that? You know, during the course of the night, that pillow, if you do put it over your head uh, because of noise coming out of uh, another room adjacent to your bedroom, during uh, the period of sleep overnight, tossing and turning, that pillow is not going to stay on your head the whole course of the sleep cycle, is it? No, it's not. We have some very shady characters. We know it. We have some very shady characters right now in our government. 
We have a president that cannot be trusted. We have a morally bankrupt, bankrupt, scandaled, riddled woman, Hillary Clinton, running in the heat of political battle to get nomination for the White House. We all know that the Clintons passed many scandal-riddled incidents during their past, their political past. We know this. Many of them. They've stacked up. But we know the Clintons, and we know their past. Many unanswered questions. The Clinton scandals that stretch over decades, rape, so-called suicide, Vince Foster, you name it, they have been involved in one way, shape, or form. 2016 is a turning point, patriots. 2016 is a turning point in America history, in America politics. We have outsiders in both parties looking to gain the White House. We have an establishment status quo candidates, both parties that are hoping to continue the same old tired, worn out, step of politics, lies that permeate the halls of Congress. All of what is happening now is a wake-up call for we the people who have been provided an inside look at just how corrupt politics run Congress. Congress is no longer an employee of of, of the people. Congress has become the employer, the elitist of America. They have lost all touch with reality. Scalia Passing was a blow for conservatives in America, and his passing, passing has very strange conditions that leave a bad taste in the mouth of many Americans. Conspiracy or reality, one never knows these days. Bottom line, who can we the people trust in Washington, D.C.? Who can we trust? And the answer, as far as Gary Gatehouse is concerned, is nobody. And ladies and gentlemen... That includes mainstream media as well. We'll be back after a few short messages. You want the truth? Nothing but the truth? Listen to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on freedominamericaradio.com. You're home. You served your country with honor. Now it's time to strike out on a new path forward. You're a veteran. You set the standard for character, integrity, leadership. And you've gained valuable skills, skills employers are looking for. At jobcenter.usa.gov, you can get access to personalized services and the support you need to find the perfect career. This is U.S. Navy and Marine Corps veteran Montel Williams saying, visit an American job center today and discover your next opportunity of a lifetime. You got to take care of Texas. It's the only one we got. If you're way up the love, look her down and look them by. Water, keep the air clean. Take care of Texas, don't you know what I mean, y'all? Kevin Fowler here. Texans take great pride in keeping our air clean. Visit TakeCareOfTexas.org and take the pledge to help keep it that way. We'll send you a free Texas State Park Guide. You gotta take care of Texas, it's the only one we got. Sponsored by the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality. This song's to all you cats out there chasing Trump down the road. Yes, I do. Trump's on the move, man. Watch out, Jeb. 
Watch out, Ted. Watch out, Rubio. Coming soon. Ted, all right, Jeb, all right, Marco, all right, John Kasich, line up, take your medicine, boys, there's a bad moon on the rise, all you guys are going to be getting your butt kicked royally real soon. All you folks up there on Twitter, all you Trumpsters up there, go over and visit the Gary Gatehouse Radio Trump Radio on the GAL Network. G-A-L-N-E-T-W-R-K up on Twitter. That's where Gary Gatehouse hangs out. Gary Gatehouse Radio getting after Lefty Trump Radio. Or we get after Lefty. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we uh, can't let a show go by without talking about that old dried up, gray-headed, decrepit-looking, disease-riddled, it looks like, old pervert Bill Clinton. Well, he was down in Florida spewing his 60s rhetoric to a lemming-filled Clinton followers audience in Florida, like I said, at a capacity campaign event in Riviera Beach, Florida. Capacity, does that mean 50 people, 100 people? That's what they consider it capacity? How many? They don't put a number when they say capacity. But they say at a capacity campaign event in Riviera, Florida, Beach, Florida, Bill Clinton played campaign surrogate again for his morally bankrupt wife, Hillary Clinton. But this time he was in Donald Trump's backyard, as this reports, just next door to West Palm Beach. The former president was in his usual stump mode when a man in the crowd took off his shirt, revealing a concealed Donald Trump t-shirt. Oh, my God! The man waved a Trump campaign sign back and forth and bellowed in protest. You took his money! The crowd booed. The protester held up competing Hillary Clinton campaign signs that read, You can't make America great with hate. A clear jab at Trump. Really? A jab? The former president swiftly engaged. He ripped off his shirt and there was a big S on his T-shirt. And it didn't stand for Superman. It it began with an S and ended with a T. And he swiftly engaged. The pervert did. Bill Clinton. He engaged the protester from his podium and said, I certainly did. I took his money for my foundation and used it better than he's using it now. Bubba went on to say, Donald Trump, to the Donald Trump supporter, if you want to build a wall on the Rio Grande River and you want to uh, send 11 million immigrants home, then you should follow him like Moses into the promised land, said the former president, who, by the way, is a wise-ass, which caused the wise-ass crowd, the lemmings, to erupt in laughter. Hey, Bubba, 
and all of you that support these two morally bankrupt, pathological liars, cheats, crooks, all of you that fall on your sword for a pervert, a rapist, and his so-called wife, why in the hell are you no better than they are? You aren't. You are all from the same cut of cloth. You're all worn out, 60s losers. Anytime you back a loser like those two, you've got to be a loser yourself. And you can take that to the bank. We'll be right back. We'll be right back after the Liberty Council report. Stand by. Georgia House considers protecting students' rights to pray in school. Hi, I'm Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. We'll talk about this next on Freedom's Call. With growing confusion and misinformation about school prayer, the Georgia legislature introduced a bipartisan bill that would allow students to pray before, during, and after school. House Bill 816 is currently in the Judicial Committee. While the Constitution already grants this freedom, a state law expressing those freedoms would give schools a clearer picture of their proper role towards the religious expression of their students. With CU at the poll and many other individual students expressing their religious beliefs, this bill hopes to better inform students of their rights. If you have any questions about the rights of students, you can request our book, Students' Rights on Public School Campuses at lc.org. For more information, visit lc.org. Again, the book is at lc.org. In Congress, in the courtroom, and in your community, Liberty Council is advancing life, liberty, and the family. Log on to lc.org. Every day, nearly 4,000 unborn children are denied life and love. National Right to Life is working to change that. For more than 30 years, National Right to Life has worked through education and legislation to make sure that every child is given the opportunity to share their love, their gifts, and their talents with the world. Our work now is more critical than ever. Respect for life is being attacked on all fronts and at all stages, from the tiniest unborn child to the medically dependent and disabled, to our elderly citizens. It is the support of our members, pro-life men and women from across the country, that helps to advance our cause. Join with National Right to Life and countless other pro-life men and women and make a unified stand for life. This has been a Perspective on Life from National Right to Life. For more information, visit our website, www.nrlc.org. That's nrlc.org. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Wednesday edition on the GAL Network, flagship station of the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, coming to you from South Texas. How many of you folks out there are getting phone calls one after another? Take this poll, take this survey, uh, can calls, uh, robo calls from people who are running from state office people who are running for federal office. How many of you people out there? I get them all the time. I hang up on them. Finally, I called the RNC. And I said, look, I am not a Republican. Although I am listed as one, I don't vote a Republican ticket straight anymore. I am not a part of the RNC. I tore up my RNC card a long time ago. Call off the dogs from all your robocalls. I don't want anything to do with any of you anymore. Do you understand that? Well, we're sorry, sir. We cannot control all of the people running for office and tell them to stop calling you. 
Yeah, I know. I said this is just a uh, figure of speech, if you will, to let you know I am tired of Republicans. I am retired of all you all up at the RNC saying one thing and doing something 180 degrees different. I am tired, fed up with you. I put up with your crap for so many years, and now it's all come to a head, and I don't want any part of you all again. I said, by the way, how many calls do you get like mine? I didn't hear anything for a long time. Well, sir, I can't tell you that. We don't keep track. Yeah, okay. Can I give you one last parting comment? Well, yes, I guess so. The Republican Party's in big trouble, boy. This is coming from an old South Texan. That used to be a dyed-in-the-wool Republican. I'm not anymore. Everybody I talk to that is a Republican said they're fed up with you all up there in D.C. You might want to pass that along to the hierarchy up there. Okay, boy? Well, yes, sir. Thank you for calling. You got it. You know, folks, down here in Texas, before we got started this uh, migration from California and they bring in all this damn liberalism with them. They want leave one liberal state because of all the liberal crap that they had to live with out there, higher taxes, etc. Illegals running around getting driver's license they, they, and everything else. And they come to our state and they seem to want to establish another enclave or pocket of liberalism and uh, progressivism here in the, the state of Texas. We don't cotton up to all kinds of people like that, and we don't like carpetbaggers from the East Coast coming down here assigned by their damn uh, company or whatever to come down here and work for their company in Texas and bring their damn liberalism with them. We don't want it down here. Keep it up on the East Coast where it belongs. Keep it on the West Coast where it belongs. We folks down here in the South, we folks up in the heartland, flyover country, we folks west of the Mississippi, we don't sign on to all that crap you believe up there on the East Coast. Now, don't get me wrong. I know there's some people up on the East Coast that don't sign on to it either, and I play for you every day. I know you're under a lot of a lot of pressure at work and so on, and I know a lot of you are afraid to even say you're of the conservative stripe for fear of maybe losing your job or a, or a, a, a promotion or something. I know that. I lived on the East Coast. When I was an intelligence operative, I had to live up there because my intelligence operative, my intelligence agency's main office or headquarters was in the D.C. area. But I, I loathed the fact that somebody would come up to me and say, well, Gary, you, we uh, got another assignment for you. Got to go back for some more linguist training or whatever, and we're sending you back to headquarters in D.C. Oh, my God. Please, send me anywhere. Send me to Libya. Send me to Afghanistan. Send me to, oh, I don't know, Shimia Island. But don't send me back there. And I lived there off and on from the 80s until I was transferred for the one last time back to my home state of Texas to fulfill my duties as an intelligence operative and act as a liaison between the intelligence agency I worked for 
and some intelligence agencies and other government agencies with intelligence compartmental stuff in it down here in Texas. I retired in place. They said, well, why don't you uh, pack your bags and we'll send you back up to D.C. for your retirement ceremony and all that. And I said, can I retire in place? You don't want to go back there and get a pat on the back and shake the hand of the director and all this other stuff? No. Can I retire in place? Well, yeah, we can arrange that. And I did. I retired in place. I did not go back. I don't want to ever go back to that area. And like I said, let me caveat that by saying there are people that I knew and worked with up there that were absolutely great people. And they were conservative in their thoughts, ideas, and the way they conducted themselves. Good Christians, whatever. We were all in the same uh, big fish bowl in the intelligence agency. Us guys and gals that I ran with were all operatives all over the world. We got stationed or sent on uh, missions, whatever. But most of us did not. Most of us operatives did not come from that area. We were all ex-military. Ex-military spooks. But I tell you what, folks, you get up on the East Coast, and it's a different, it's a different world. People just think different up there. They act different, and they look at things different. And if you're, you're from the Midwest or from down south, like I was, it's a real hellacious environment. Socially, it's a, it's a killer. And you really, we really, our family and myself, really had to learn to adapt. And we did. But my wife and I, were we were glad as hell to get the hell out of there and get back to our home state of Texas. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Wednesday edition, Hump Day in America, Hump Day in the Free World. Before we go to news break... I would like to thank all those folks up on Twitter that contacted me in the last few days and signed on with the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show and now listen to it and support it. Thank you, every one of you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate your good comments from both you and your, your spouses or girlfriends. And I will consider, I will continue to support Donald Trump. I will continue to support Christians and the conservative cause. I will continue to support our military, and I will continue to support our families, the traditional, as they call it, nuclear family, a man and a woman. And I will continue to support my country. I have been doing that since I was 17 years old when I marched off to the military, and I have not looked back since. Again, you're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Wednesday edition, Getting After Lefty. And we'll be back after the five-minute news. Don't go away. we got one hell of a second hour. We'll be right back. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Gary will be back after the Fox five-minute news break. Fox News Radio, I'm Joe Chiuro. 
Hillary Clinton meeting today with civil rights leaders in Harlem, New York. She says the country still has work to do to ensure equal rights. And that work can only be done in partnership uh, with one another uh, to advance uh, the cause of civil and human rights and to, as you said, uh, live up, uh, Wade, to the ideals of our country. Democrat Bernie Sanders campaigning in South Carolina. Republicans also continuing their focus on the Palmetto State. Senator Ted Cruz on the deck of the aircraft carrier USS Yorktown near Charleston laying out his plan for the military. After seven years of neglect, it is time for America once again to prioritize its strong, advanced, and robust military. Rebuilding the military will be one of the most serious tasks facing our next commander-in-chief. The other Republican candidates also keeping up the campaign pressure, hoping to gain support in Saturday's South Carolina Republican primary. Funeral arrangements being made for U.S. Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. Fox's Jared Halpern is live in Washington. And Justice Antonin Scalia will lay in repose at the Supreme Court Friday. Sources tell Fox News that will be followed by a funeral at the Basilica in Washington on Saturday. That would follow the tradition of the last justice to die in office, Chief Justice William Rehnquist, in 2000. Five. Another court tradition, draping the bench chair and bench directly in front of it in black wool crepe. That's the scene today inside the court chambers. A black drape has also been hung over the courtroom doors, a tradition dating back to at least the 1870s. Flags at the court will be flown at half-staff for 30 days. Joe. Thanks, Jared. An agreement now in place to resume commercial flights between the U.S. and Cuba. It's the first time for regular daily flights to Havana in 50 years. The Dow up about 200 points. You're listening to Fox News Radio. Fair and balanced. Today, my new dad and I shot off a rocket in the park. Today, my new son and I failed to shoot off a rocket. He knew exactly what to do. I had no clue what I was doing. We set up the rocket. We set up the rocket. Hit ignition. Hit ignition. And then? And then nothing. <laughs> Sometimes I laugh when I'm frustrated. Then out of nowhere, the rocket launched into the air. The rocket did get into the air. I've never seen anything fly so high. And then crashed into a kite. And then the pond. I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget that day, even if I tried. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of kids in foster care will take you just as you are. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the... A trial gets underway today in California for a suspected mass murderer. Fox's Grinnell Scott joins us live with more. Joe, the attorneys have been delivering opening statements in the trial of Lonnie Franklin Jr. For the past six years, he's been held as the suspect in ten deaths, nine women and a teenage girl over 22 years. But investigators say he may be responsible for as many as eight other deaths. They add that Franklin's DNA was found at as many as 12 crime scenes. Prosecutors are seeking the death penalty, but the defense argues that the DNA of other potential suspects were also found at those scenes. Trial testimony is expected to run three to four months, Joe. Thanks, Grinnell. A former U.N. Secretary General has died. As Egypt's Minister of State for Foreign Affairs, Boutros Boutros Ghali was one of the architects of the Camp David Accords that led to peace between Egypt and Israel. 
A Coptic Christian, he incurred wrath from Arab nationalists and Islamists for his policies. Boutros Ghali served as United Nations Secretary General from 1992 to 1996, a time of great upheaval from the breakups of the former Soviet Union and Yugoslavia to the Rwandan genocide. Jonathan Wachtel, Fox News. Golly was 93. A Maryland sheriff turning to social media to attack the president's silence over the recent deaths of police officers. Carroll County, Maryland Sheriff Jim DeWeese found President Obama's silence over the deaths of eight police officers killed in the line of duty in the United States over the past eight days. Deafening. In an open letter the president posted on Facebook, DeWeese argues that two of those who died, Harford County, Maryland deputies, were killed at a restaurant within driving distance of the White House. Quote, I've watched and listened in for words of encouragement and sorrow to come from you, but haven't heard or seen anything. DeWeese adding that when standing in line for the funerals of the deputies, he'll save a space for Mr. Obama. That's Kevin Battle. I'm Joe Tiro, Fox News Radio. It's hump day. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Well, welcome back to the second hour. I hope you're having a great hump day wherever you're at in God's big, beautiful world. You know, ladies and gentlemen, it's beautiful down here today. It's about 85 degrees. Now, not a cloud in the sky. A bunch of birds out there singing around my studio out there. I don't know if, you, if the mic's picking them up or not, but uh, I hope not. They're, uh, I guess they're looking for a mate or something. Hell, I don't know. You know, on the campaign trail, the Gary Gatehouse radio show pays attention to all those people out there that are kind of lagging behind Mr. Trump and trying to get at him any way they can, you know. And old Jeb Bush, he pops up, uh, old uh, wuss Jeb, he jumps jumps up and says that from his campaign trail down in Florida that Donald Trump fears me. Why is he going after me each and every day? You know, ladies and gentlemen, this guy's got illusions of grandeur, doesn't he? The thing that Donald Trump fears Jeb Bush? I don't think so, Jeb. But you know the reason for Donald Trump's continued attacks against Jeb Bush? According to Bush, it's because he fears me. I think he's a master at manipulation, said old Jeb. And I find it amusing on one level that he constantly attacks me. And then he goes out and he does other stuff. But he's always after me. Trump, as he said, has always slammed me for months now. As low energy, mocking me for virtually every personality trait and political position, including his defense of his brother, former President George W. Bush. Jeb, damn it. When are you going to realize, man, that you are lacking energy? You are low energy. You don't have many personality traits. You don't have a hard-set political position. Because, you see, you are part of the political elite. You're part of the B family, the U family, the S family, the H family. And you're not no George W. by any stretch of the imagination. Oh yeah, he's your brother, but that's as far as it goes, Jeb. That's as far as it goes, man. Come on, man. Admit it. You're just a wuss. But you know, old Jeb Bush, who began campaigning, Way back when, I guess, thinking he was going to get anointed as the one who was going to lead the Republican elitists, those people up there, you know, always talk about in their ivory towers. You're going to lead them all down the path. Jeb Bush was going to be the next one crowned. The next Bush inserted into office. 
He ain't got what it takes, man. He don't have it. But old Jeb Bush called his brother and I said, George, I need you down here to help me out. These people are beating me up. Come on down. So George W. He went down and began uh, campaigning for old Jeb in South Carolina. But Donald Trump has accelerated his verbal attacks in recent days on the former president and his administration's failure to prevent 9-11 attacks. Seen at a press conference Monday and an interview with ABC's Good Morning America on Tuesday that the Bush claimed that he kept the country safe after 9-11. And uh, Donald Trump said, well, that's kind of akin to a baseball team yielding 19 or 20 runs in the first inning and then playing well for the rest of the game. Hell of an analogy. I like it. I like it a lot, Mr. Trump. Keep on trucking. But I got to say, Jeb, sorry, buddy, no cigar, man. You keep it up, Bubba. You're a loser. Admit it. We who pay attention know this beyond a fact, any fact, any stretch of the imagination, that you're a loser. You're not a winner by any stretch of the imagination. And you are running on your family name, Period. Bottom line, Jeb, damn it. We the people had enough of the Bush name, the Clinton name. It's time to move on. It's time for we the people to detach ourselves from the politicians and go with those who can't be bought, who can't be sold, can't be influenced by the political status quo. You know who they are. You're part of it, man. You've lived it your whole life. Bye-bye, Bush. It was nice not knowing you. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse radio show, Wednesday edition. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, the Gary Gatehouse radio show, I've kind of deemed it my, I've taken it on myself. My radio show, Gary Gatehouse, getting after lefty, is now Gary Gatehouse radio show, getting after lefty, parentheses, the Donald Trump radio Station, get your Donald Trump news here. Closed parentheses, and that's what it's going to be all the way through to when Mr. Donald Trump takes that key and he opens it up that door, and he spreads in doors wide open. He says to his wife, he says, "You know, we got a lot of work here in the White House to do. Seems like the folks that lived here before didn't know quite how to live as we do." We had to do some cleaning up. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, that's not too far down the road. When we people who don't have the money to get up to see the inauguration, we the people that don't have the money to get up to D.C., we can sit and watch on television as Mr. Trump raises his right hand, puts his left hand on the Bible, swears to Almighty God to uphold the Constitution of the United States Etc., etc., so help me God. And we will finally have someone in office that's not a career, song and dance, one trick pony show politician. We will have an outsider that has finally got in the door. Well, looky here, a new listener. Hey, this ain't your little sister's radio station. This is Gary Gatehouse. Make sure you tune in to Restoration Radio International weekends to listen to the Gary Gatehouse radio shows back-to-back. Wow!
Coming up on the uh, Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Wednesday edition, it's a Gary Gatehouse, one of his classic rants. Have a listen. Well, thank you, darling. Welcome back to the second hour of the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Getting after that day. You know, I want to direct these comments to all my brothers and sisters, all my patriots, all my friends that live in Great Britain. And to my mate who lives down in London, Mr. Stephen Lang, owner, operator, financier, the man that's got all the money, the man that's got that smooth British voice, the man who owns and operates Restoration Radio, United Kingdom, by by the way. Gary Gatehouse Radio Show is featured on that show weekdays and back-to-back shows on the weekends. All you folks in Great Britain, all you folks in England, You folks that listen to the show know that Gary Gatehouse spent the whole decade of the the 70s living amongst you in England. And like I've said many times, I fell in love with your country. I fell in love with the people of England, their attitude, their way of looking at things. But now it seems that everything that I admired, everything that I really looked up to, when it came to the British people, their tenacity, their taking on even the biggest problems and working them out. It seems like a lot of that drive, that initiative, that tenacity, for some reason has faded away, especially in your leaders over there. Now, I read a news article the other day that was very alarming. I know it was bad in England, I know it was bad. It is bad in London. All points north, south, east, and west in that island when it comes to Muslims. But there was a headline that caught my eye and it said, Islamic rage erupts over Christian march. It went on to say Muslims mob swarms Christian group and told them we're taking over. A mob of Muslim men swarmed a group of Christian activists on British streets and said they were taking over the country. They were taking over England. Members of the political party Britain first held what it claims is the first Christian patrol through the streets of Berry Park, Luton. And there was a video posted to YouTube on this last Saturday shows a swarm of of Muslim men converging on this Christian group of 20 cross-carrying Christians. And these Muslims, these muzzies, this third world trash from the Middle East, told these Christians, told these English folks, my brothers and sisters over there, 
They said to them, You're jealous that we're taking over. We're effing hate you, and Muslims will take over. Watch. Two others scream as cops descended on the scene. Now the leader of the Christian group, Paul Golding, and Deputy Jada Franson, said the activists were there to walk through the town, hand out newspapers, and proudly display their faith in Christ. This is a British town, they said. I'll come here if I like. I'll walk here, and I'll walk where I like, Branson told a group of men, asking why they, why they were in Luton. Branson and his fellow activists eventually made it through a gauntlet of jeers, threats, and explicit language before again addressing the camera. We just literally got mobbed. Muslims came back from every angle. Muslims told us they're taking our country. We're not welcome in our own country. It's not a Christian country. They're taking over and we need to leave. We need to leave our own country. They were threatening violence. People tried to attack me. People tried to attack our activists. They're throwing things. This is a British town. This is Britain. Now, local interfaith worker Peter Adams of St. Mary's Church responded to Britain's first march on Monday, saying the group corrupted the message of the cross as a symbol of reconciliation, forgiveness, and selfless love. Britain's first said many of its critics, who handed out flowers in the neighborhood after the march, were trendy, politically correct, tree-hugging, sandal-wearing hippies who, were, who only care about multiculturalism. Britain's first video was released on day prior to British government's announcement that it may take in another 3,000 child refugees, as they call them, Muslims, from Syria. International Development Secretary Justine Greening told Sky News on Sunday that it was the right thing to do. Prime Minister David Cameron previously committed to taking 20,000 Muslims from the Middle East over the next five years. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've never visited or had the opportunity to visit England, the island, it is an island, and it's not a huge island. If you've ever had the opportunity to visit England, it is probably one of the most beautiful places in the world once you get outside the metropolitan areas. I fell in love with the countryside. And again, I fell in love with the people. And England, Great Britain, has always been Christian. For the longest time in the modern era, they have always been Christian. But somewhere along the line, a lot of the English folks lost touch with their Christian religion and became activists for multiculturalism, political correctness, and it's got them in big trouble. I just illustrated what some Christians did, standing for their faith, walking through the streets of Luton, and were accosted by Muslims, Muslims from the Middle East that are now planted their raggedy asses in England, and told the English people 
the Christians to get the hell out of England. It wasn't their country anymore. That the Muslims owned it. And then you had English people coming out after the Christians marched through Luton. And they came out and they responded by bowing down to the Muslims, handing out flowers in the neighborhood. I guess to tell the Muslims they're sorry that fellow Englishmen acted the way they did. Even the vicar of the church or interfaith worker Peter Adams of St. Mary's Church, when he responded to what transpired to Britain's first march on Monday, and he said the group corrupted the message of the cross as a symbol of reconciliation, forgiveness, and selfless love. Well, to that interfaith worker and to all you folks in England who believe as the interfaith worker Peter Adams of St. Mary's Church believes that these brave individuals who walked through the streets of Luton carrying the cross of Christianity and claiming that England is actually theirs, which it is, they are English, all of you folks that bow down to multiculturalism, bow down to political correctness, and kiss the feet of this third world trash that now occupies most major cities of England, I feel sorry for you as British folks. You've lost touch with the reality of the situation. It is your country. It is not the Muslim's country. And when you have a man of faith, Christian faith, saying that those brave souls who marched through Luton with the cross, those English folks, and he said that the group was corrupted the message of the cross as a symbol of reconciliation, forgiveness, and selfless love, let me say this to you, Mr. Peter Adams. Christians, down through history, have always been kicked in the teeth, thrown through the lions, pushed around by Muslims and other religious groups. But in modern day today, if you don't stand up for what you believe, and I don't care if you have to get physical, they, these people, the Muslims, and their so-called religion of peace, are going to steal your country from you. And eventually, somewhere down the road, Christians of England, those who still profess their faith and stand for it, up for it, I'm sure Mr. Peter Adams, in the whole heat of battle, would not stand up for his Christian faith if his head was on the line, on the chopping block. But those who, those Christians who still believe in the Almighty in Jesus Christ and their Christian religion. If things tend the way they are going now in England, someday in the news we here in America, if we're still around, might see Christians paraded out in the streets of Luton or in Piccadilly Square or downtown in Edgware Road, somewhere in England, everywhere in England, and Muslims who then by all 
purposes will own England, lock, stock, and barrel, cutting these Christians' heads off. Just like we see in videos from the Middle East. They have brought that belief of Islam with them. They didn't leave it in the Middle East when they came to your country. They didn't leave it in the Middle East when they came to Germany and France and Italy and Europe. They didn't leave their ideas, their Islamic ideas, perverted as they are. They didn't leave the, all of that in England, in uh, the Middle East, in Syria, whatever country they came from over there. They brought it with them. They brought it with them. And what they believe, the Koran, Islam, is perverted. It's diabolical. Yet it seems that there are a lot of English people, a lot of British people, who have yet to waken up to the fact that their country is being taken away from them. And like that one guy said, these people that bowed down to the Muslims after these folks, these Christians, left Luton, well, they're nothing but trendy, politically correct, tree-hugging, sandal-wearing hippies who only care about multiculturalism. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, we have to take a big lesson from what is transpiring in England. When we talk about multiculturalism here, a lot of people on the left, and even some on the right, I'm talking about leadership, etc., have bought into multiculturalism. Multiculturalism is being taught in our schools. Multiculturalism is being taught in our schools. Political correctness is part of the curricula in our schools and colleges. Here and across the pond in Europe, Great Britain. It is telling the people of our respective countries that when these Muslims come to our country, we have to bow down and respect what they bring with them, their ideology, their so-called religion. We have to respect it, but they do not have to respect ours. Why? Because their religion says so. Their religion says that anybody that does not believe in Islam and will not convert is an enemy of Islam, enemy of Muslims. The Quran teaches that. The Quran says that. When will America, when will Europe finally wake up to the fact that Muslims can never assimilate into our countries? They can never do it! Because the Koran, through its directives and teachings, Islam says they can't. They can't owe their allegiance to any other country. They only owe their allegiance to Mecca. They can't owe their allegiance to anybody except fellow Muslims who practiced Islam. If you're a Christian, you're an enemy. If you're a Buddhist, you're an enemy. If you're not Islamic, if you're not a Muslim, or if you're not a convert from being an infidel, a convert to being a Muslim and practicing Islam in the mosque, you are a enemy. And you can be dealt with, according to the Koran, in two ways. They can cut your head off, they can kill you, or they can own you and trade you as a slave. 
That's the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you get it yet? Multiculturalism is a lie. Political correctness is a tool of the left that is being used by Muslims against us. It's time we all wake up. It's time we in America wake up. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, being a fool for so long when it comes to all those things that are going on outside our borders, being isolated and only paying attention to the things that go inside, go on inside our borders, not paying attention to all those things that impact on us as individuals, our families, our children, future generations, is going to jump up and bite us right square in the ass. And we have to look no further. We have to look no further than the implications and the impact of assuming that mode of thought. We have to look no further than England and Europe. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after a few short messages. Don't go away. Hey, it's Gary Gatehouse, and I'd like to give you a hot flash here. Trade Martin, that's right, Trade Martin, famous producer, famous music writer, now has his own radio show on Sunday morning, that's right, Big Dog Radio, and you can get him on Big Dog Radio, blogtalkradio.com. Don't forget, every Sunday morning, 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. I'd just like to remind my listeners, when you listen to the Gary Gatehouse radio show, you can count on this. Indeed you do. When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed, you just remember what your past said. Boy, you got a friend in me. That's right. Yeah, you got a friend in me. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. When you tune into the Gary Gatehouse radio show, Getting After Lefty, You indeed have a friend in me. I'm there for you. I'm there for us conservatives. I'm there for us patriots. I'm there for getting America out of the ditch and back on the main road, along with our exalted leader, the one who's leading the pack, Mr. Donald Trump. Now, you know, ladies and gentlemen, the mainstream media, ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, Fox News, all of them, And the political elite up inside the beltway there, the political cartel, if you will, formerly known as Congress, are all scratching their head and they're why is America so pissed off at us? Why is America looking at us with a jaundice eye? Why are they looking at us as somebody foreign? Somebody is not really part of them. We've done everything we can for them. Really? All you yokels in D.C., all you politicians, all you career-oriented song-and-dance men, flim-flammers, who call yourself Americans, but you stand up there and lie to the American people every day, you look at us in the television camera, 
and you tell us that you know what's best for America. We don't have any say-so about it. You're in charge. We have nothing to say about it. And you talk about the democracy of America and how it's uh, such a country filled with democracy. Let me remind you all, this is not a democracy. It's a republic in God for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. That doesn't just mean you guys. Now, I want to give you an example, all you politicians up there. All you folks on the right, well, once you hear this, will be pointing your finger at the left. And all you folks on the left will be pointing your finger at the right for pointing their finger at you. And the mainstream media will cash in on all of it and laugh their ass off all the way to the bank. But when push comes to shove, they will be in bed. They are embedded. They are up the backsides. Their heads stuck so far up the backsides of the politicians. I'm talking about the mainstream media now. Fox News and all of them. They've got their heads so stuck up the backsides of politicians and the political cartel in Washington, D.C. They ain't going to see sunlight for a long time. Now, folks, you're listening to the Gary Gatehouse, the preacher of conservatism. Standing up on his pulpit, and by God, I'm going to preach the Bible of conservatism right now to all you dolts up there in D.C. One of your own. Come out and said this. Have a listen, Washington. Finally, we recognize that more border security and deportations may deter illegal migration, but they do not. They do nothing to overcome the push factors that prompt desperate people to flee Central America in the first place. We're preparing to offer vulnerable individuals fleeing the violence in Central America a safe and legal alternative path to a better life. We're expanding our refugee admissions program to help vulnerable men, women, and children in Central America who qualify as refugees. We're partnering with the UN High Commissioner for Refugees and non-governmental organizations in the region to do this as soon as possible. This approach builds on our recently established Central American Miners Program, which is now providing an in-country refugee processing option for certain children with lawfully present parents in the United States. Patriots, we are being sold out. Being sold out again. The Obama regime is circumventing the Constitution and is working with the United Nations to rewrite what a refugee is and what status they hold in coming to America. The Republican Party, the leadership, says nothing. We have a standing senator running for the nod on the Republican side who has stood shoulder to shoulder with other Republicans and other Democrats pushing amnesty for they say 11 million. That was a number of of, uh, illegals in our country way back in 2008. It's more like 20 million now. And now we have the Department of Homeland Security chief saying that he is working with the United Nations to bring more from the uh, third world countries, South America, to dump on the doorstep of the hard-working American people. And the Republicans, they say nothing. Crickets.
Nothing is said. Where's Paul Ryan? Where's McConnell? Where's Rubio? Where's Cruz? Where's Kasich? Where's good old Jeb Bush? Where are the Bushes? They're nowhere to be seen on this issue. Nowhere to be seen. If it wasn't for Donald Trump, this issue would, issue would never be mentioned. And now we have the Department of Homeland Security Chief. The Department of the Homeland Security Chief working with the United Nations to rewrite our laws, United States laws of immigration, so they can bring more, as they call them, refugees from third world trash countries in South America and dump them on the doorstep of the hard-working, legal American people. Where are you, Jeb Bush? Where are you, Marco Rubio? Where are you, Ted Cruz and John Kasich? Where in the hell are you? There's one flicker of light out there mentioning and bringing this up at every damn debate and on the campaign trail, Mr. Donald Trump. Do you know what a refugee is in the eyes of the law here in the United States, people? Do you know what it is? Refugees. Under United States law, a refugee is someone is of special humanitarian concern to the United States, is located outside the borders of the United States, demonstrates that they are persecuted or fear due to race, religion, nationality, political opinion, or membership in a particular social group, is not firmly resettled in another country, is admissible under those things I just laid out to the United States as a refugee. A refugee does not include anyone who ordered, incited, assisted, or otherwise participated in the persecution of any person on account of race, religion, nationality, membership in a particular social group, or political opinion coming to America to make better life based on one's economic status, whether it be poverty or otherwise, does not fly when it comes to the Americans' citizenship and immigration laws. They do not qualify. But that does not make a difference whatsoever when it comes to the Obama regime. They do what they damn well please. We all know that. And all of it at the expense of we the people. Don't hear anyone in Congress saying a damn thing about this. Don't hear anyone on the campaign trail, less one, saying anything about that. There was one person, like I said, who started the whole illegal immigration conversation in the public arena. And that would be Mr. Donald Trump, who continues to stand with we the people on the issue that impacts on all Americans, our families, and future generations. The political cartel in Washington, D.C., the D- District of Corruption, and the mainstream media continue to remain silent on this issue. They are not to be trusted, ladies and gentlemen. We the people must speak out, and the best way is to elect an outsider to the White House. And that person, that outsider, would be none other than Mr. Donald Trump. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Wednesday edition, getting after Lefty on the GAL Network from South Texas, freedominamerica.us radio out of Florida, and Reboot Liberty Radio out of Phoenix, Arizona. We'll be right back. Yes, I'm going to be. 
take an ordinary putty knife and scrape off the old wax ring. Place the new wax ring over the flange, then line up the bolts with the bowl and gently set in place, making sure a proper seal is created with the flange and drain. Next. Um, Dad? Uh, yeah, sweetie. Is that an old plumbing manual? Oh, um, yeah, yeah, honey. We really need to get some new books. Right, um, do, do you want me to stop? Nah, I kind of want to know how it ends. Okay, tighten the bolts, line up the flushing valve to the opening in the top of the bowl, and secure the tank with a screwdriver and crescent wrench. <laughs> the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Yeah, Gary Gatehouse, Wednesday. Getting after Lefty. What a beautiful day down here in Texas. I hope you folks are enjoying yourself wherever you're at in God's big, beautiful world. You know, ladies and gentlemen, just to give another example of how the left considers the American people nothing but a bunch of money bags, especially people who run small businesses, mom-and-pop stores, people who might have, oh, I don't know, 5, 6, 10, 15 employees, and their business has been around for X amount of years. They've worked. they rolled their sleeves up. They started it from nothing. They invested their own money, blood, sweat, and tears, and toil, and built their business up. And it got to a point where they could hire one, bought one more person here, one more person there, and that person comes to work for this mom-and-pop store and relies on that income either to support themselves or supplement their income for their family or to support their family, period. But the socialists and the Marxists and the progressives and the communists and the Republicans don't see it that way. They see there's money out there to be grabbed. There's money out there due to these people at work. These people that work very hard, as they say. Their brothers and sisters, the illegals, and every other Tom, Dick, and Harry that comes into our country, and all their union supporters have their thumbs up when the Democrats and the Republicans, through, through silence, but yet back. Things like this. Have a listen. Yeah, what I'm, so what I'm trying to say is, look, there's always been a lot of support for her. Uh, these are the kinds of things... Uh, that we're looking at and you know our president of the United States I may not agree with every one of his policies but you know what we're working to championing the cause of people and I'm so excited you guys increased them minimum wage at Taco Gordo $15 an hour I like that's good that's good stuff you know so tomorrow I say hey wait a minute it should be $30 an hour are you all going to vote for me that's my point. Yeah. I mean, you can take this to a point where she go, really go, we can't do it. Should it be a goal? I am for that goal. I'm for a goal that everybody gets health care. I'm for a goal that everybody gets to go to college, regardless of their income. And Latinos more than anyone else know that. And Latinos know that more than anyone else knows that. That Representative Guterres is for a $30 minimum wage. I'm for that goal, he says. It's just another example of socialist, progressive, Democrat Party ideas on how they want to drain the pond completely. 
They don't give a damn if they destroy mom and pop stores. They don't give a damn if those four, five, six, eight employees have to be laid off because mom and pop can't afford to pay $30 an hour to each one of these individuals. They don't give a damn because you see they're socialist. And what socialist means and what socialism is, is taking every individual but the elitist down to the same level of misery. That's what it means. They don't care who they destroy. They don't care how hard those mom and pops work to keep their little businesses going. They could care less. They want their Hispanics and third world trash and every other Tom, Dick, and Harry that they're letting into our country cash in on hard working Americans. That's what they want. This is just another example of socialist progressive Democrat Party and either if either of the adults running for the nomination on the Democrat side of the aisle is elected, ladies and gentlemen, you can bet your boots we the people will be lowered to the same level of misery, better known as socialism. We and our children and future generations will be hamstrung by socialism and in America. America will end up on the trash heap of has-been nations crippled by socialism and communism. And these these people that are pushing it, the elitist, they won't have to suffer. They will establish a nook or a cranny or a place where they will be able to write it out and continue to cash in on all the good things, just like they did in the USSR. The people that were on the Politburo, the people, the elitist, do you think they lived like the peasants? Do you think they lived waiting in line to get a little bit of government doled out food, uh, uh, sign a ticket to get a, maybe a TV after all? an eight-year waiting list to live four and five families to an apartment that normally house maybe one or two? No, elitists will never have to suffer those kinds of things ever under socialism or communism because you see they install it, they ride the highway while everybody else is down in the ditch. Wake up, America. Wake up. We're being taken for a ride We've already been thrown in the ditch. And they're throwing the dirt on us and the manure and everything else and laughing while they're doing it. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, getting after Lefty, not owned or operated by any commercial concern, not dictated to by some corporation. Gary Gatehouse exercising his First Amendment right, getting after Lefty. young, I knew something was wrong. My mother would forget to pick me up from school. Drugs and alcohol may make you forget your problems. My mother got help, and because of recovery, she is here for me. Hi, Mom. You ready? Let's go. For drug and alcohol treatment for you or someone you love, call 1-800-662-HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. These are the sounds of someone taking their eyes off the road. Texting while driving is more than distracting. It's dangerous. Do us all a favor. When you're on the road, stay off the phone. A message from CTIA, America's wireless companies, and the National Safety Council.
Now, you folks out there that listen to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, you know on Friday we have the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show after Lefty Anything Goes, when we kind of break, break rank, if you will, and we get away from politics and we do all kinds of crazy stuff. Keep them going insane. Coming up, we have some new light that's been shed on Bubba Clinton and his escapades from the past. You don't want to miss this. Give you a little, uh, I don't know, a little preview. This lady says, he put on my frilly nightie and he danced around playing his sax. That was Bill Clinton. In the nighty. We'll check the rest of it out after the song's over. When we all go back to the mode of going insane. <laughs> I'd like to give a shout out to all my friends and listeners out there on Facebook. Restoration Radio International. Dogs of War Radio out of the United Kingdom. I hope you're all doing well today. Scarlet, I hope you're doing fine. And to my mate over there in England who's in the hospital, you know who you are. I'm not going to mention your name. I hope you're doing just fine. Things are going to work out. Things are going to be okay. Gary Gatehouse sends all my best to you via the airways all the way from Texas across the pond to London, England. Oh, I guess we can go insane collectively, right? Or are we already there? I think we're already there. <laughs> I ask you a question. When Fox News comes on and you see the talking heads up there and they start talking about analysts and panels, do you find yourself reaching for the remote, switching to somewhere else like, I don't know, FYI or DIY or... Something completely different to get away from that crap? I do. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I gave you a little taste, a little preview of an interview that was conducted exclusively by a British newspaper with a Miss Sally Miller, former Miss Arkansas, who had a little fling with Bill Clinton. And she said, like I said in the preview, he put on my frilly nightie and danced around playing his sex. Clinton was so-so in bed and confided Hillary was into sex with women. Now she fears Hillary's vendetta and sleeps with a loaded semi-automatic. This is Sally Miller saying this. Bill Clinton's lovemaking was largely forgettable, says ex-mistress Sally Miller, but Clinton would rarely disappoint when divulging intimate secrets. She went on to say she was 44 years old then and would leave her back door ajar so her seven years younger Mr. Clinton, then the governor of Arkansas, could slip in. 
She was known then as Sally Perdue. She claims during Pillow Talk, he revealed Hillary preferred female lovers. Hillary was and is a lesbian. Now, Ms. Miller is a former singer and radio host, and she's preparing to dish out more secrets on Bill Clinton of their three-month affair in a tell-all memoir. She is convinced that the Democratic presidential candidate is behind a plot to silence her ahead of November, this November election coming up. And Sally Miller insists she has been stalked, spied upon, and plagued by anonymous phone calls since word of her memoir leaked out. This is a vengeful, very vengeful and spiteful ugliness that some women have for other women. Hillary is just one of those women and a lesbian on top of it. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, old Sally Miller, she looked uh, on in amusement as the man who would become the 42nd president of the United States slipped into her frilly black nightgown. And he would serenade her dancing around in that nightgown, playing his saxophone and reducing her to a fit of giggles. This playful scene was typical of the laughter-filled nights that ex-beauty queen Miller, Miller enjoyed with Bill Clinton during her 1983 affair. She was telling us all the day to the Daily Mail online in an exclusive interview. The then and still is married governor of Arkansas would frequently adopt the role of the entertainer-in-chief to impress his glamorous older woman, a one-time Miss America finalist. But while his attempt at lovemaking were largely forgettable, Sally said, Clinton would rarely disappoint when it came to divulging intimate and potential damaging secrets about his squeeze, his wife, Hillary. More than two decades on, Miller, a former singer and radio host known as Sally Perdue, is preparing really to dish out the secrets of their pillow talk in a tell-all memoir. And the book promises to recall a series of unguarded conversations in which she claims Bill revealed his wife's preference for women as lovers. Wow. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, Sally Miller is releasing all this stuff. But if you look back in the archives and you get back in to all the escapades that both Bill and Hillary had when, when before and while they were in the governor's house, and all the scandals that erupted from the governor's house all the way up to Washington, D.C., through the White House, and are still erupting almost every damn day. These people are perverted, both of them. These people are immoral. These people have no conscience. These people could care less about any morality whatsoever. All they care about is more money and more power. And that is it. They can lie with the best of them. They've had practice in doing it. They're both pathological liars. And they're both mentally ill, if you ask me. You look at some of the stuff that she says and some of the stuff that she does and the way she presents herself out on the campaign trail. And she'll take advantage of every opportunity to cash in on all those black folks that I don't know why they do it, but they still follow her. They still hang their wagon on her. Why? Why? God, that gets under my skin. You black folks out there, I don't understand. I just don't understand your uh, uh, idea of what Hillary can do for you. All she can do for you is mock you. She comes to your churches and tries to talk like you. 
She promises you. And she knows she has you in her back pocket. She knows she can count on you to go vote for her, irregardless of what you hear about them, how immoral they are, how they uh, look at abortion. Is this something that, you know, kill babies? They don't care. And I know you black folks out there. I know you black folks, family folks, who have kids. You black folks out there that are working just like any other American, trying to make ends meet, trying to put food on the table. Why do you still cash in with Hillary and Bill? What is it that attracts you to them? I'm sure you're able to differentiate between the truth and lies. You have heard so much about the Clintons over the decades. How can you shut it all out? There is death and corruption and immorality on the trail of the Clintons from the time they come out of college until present day. They're no good. They're worthless. And if anybody is trash, they are. They're crooks. Liars. I don't understand it. Never could understand it. Why so many people, especially women, who would ca- I can understand why gays and lesbians would. They know Hillary's a lesbian. So that she's one of them. I can understand that. And I can understand crooks and liars and pathetic, immoral people. They understand that the Clintons wanted them. They're often the same cut of cloth. I can under, I can uh, understand why they stand with the Clintons. I can understand that. The mainstream media, I can understand that. They are full of liars, cheats, crooks, uh, immoral people, journalists. They're all, you know, ladies and gentlemen, we can talk about this till we go blue in the face. We've talked about it. People have talked about these two individuals. And what they've done for years and years and years. We know there have been rumors flying around for decades about Hillary's love for the same sex, female lovers, etc. And this lady, Miss Miss Miller, claims Hillary is a lesbian. And she's reigniting a lingering, lingering but unsubstantiated rumor that has dogged the First Lady for years. Miss Miller says, let's just get down to the facts, she adds. Firstly, Bill didn't mind telling me that Hillary doesn't like sex. I take him at his word, and he told me that she liked females more than men. She was the child of a more progressive community. She was exposed to all the liberals. She was a flower child. Hillary does drugs. Drugs, drugs too, she said. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, how do these people always get off? How do these people always get off? Who do they hide behind? Who protects them? It's the media. It's the Democrat Party. That's who protects them. That's who protects them, ladies and gentlemen. It's it's pathetic that so many people look at these people in a positive light. It's this so pathetic. They've been accused of everything under the sun. And they can, you can go back if you do your research diligently and you can see exactly what these people do. But you know this lady, Ms. Miller, and their clandestine meetings with Clinton typically included Bill goofing around, like I said, dressing up in 90s and all that stuff, but he sometimes would unwind by smoking a marijuana cigarette, Ms. Miller claims. And she also saw Clinton produce a pouch of white powder on several occasions and snort lines off of her coffee table. She said, I don't do drugs and I don't smoke. But if you come into my house and say, gosh, I had a bad day, I won't know how to stop you, said Miller.
Bill is the most handsome man. But he is the most not handsome man. But he makes you feel like your breasts are the right size. Your legs are the perfect length. You have an incredible body. And on top of all that, you're beautiful. There are not many men out there that can make a woman feel that way. Ms. Miller said about Clinton. Unbelievable. Sure he's charismatic. Sure he can talk people into bed back then and I guess still, I don't know, still does. I don't know. But he has a wife that's a lesbian. He's a drug smoking sucker that's been doing it ever since he was in uh, governor of, of uh, Arkansas and so she. She dr- takes drugs. She's a lesbian. Bill chases skirts. He's perverted. They're both perverted. And yet they, they, they talk like they are due respect. They talk like that we should bow down to them. They talk like they are the ones that are meant to be the leaders of the whole United States, Christians and otherwise. They know it all. Just ask them. But again, when you get back to it and you look at all the things that they've done inside the White House and outside the White House, inside the governor's house and outside the governor's house, all the corruption they've been involved with, from both, from sea to shining sea. And now they are looking at, she is looking at, possibly going to jail, possibly going to prison, federal prison, for all the things she did with her server with top secret and higher classified information. But she gets out there on the stage every damn day acting like there's nothing going on. Has Obama called her and said, hey, the heat's off, you're okay, proceed. Is that what happened? When she was up talking to him inside the White House, oh, a few weeks ago? Is that what went down? We'll never know, but it doesn't seem to bother her. She makes joke of it, makes fun of it. I guess before I close out today on today's show, I've got to ask the American people, and I've got to ask all you people that fall on your sword for Hillary and Bill and the likes of, have you ever really looked at the whole picture? Have you really sat down and had a chat with yourself on just what you are supporting? Or do you really care? Or the bottom line is, if you say, yeah, and it's okay, then you're one of them. You're morally bankrupt. You're worthless. And you don't give a damn about your country, your family, your children, whatever if you support people like her and her husband. And believe me, the Democrat Party is full of them, as is the mainstream media. Well, we're coming up on the hour now, so I've got to close out the show with this. All you folks that listened to me and signed on with the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show up on Twitter, again, thank you very much. Thank you for all the kind words. Thank you for all the kind messages. Doc and all of you up there, I appreciate the hell out of you. I really do. All the veterans that are up there supporting the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. All I can say is to all you veterans, welcome home, brothers and sisters, from a fellow Vietnam veteran, Gary Gatehouse. God bless you and God bless your families. I know what you went through. I went through it in my time too. And I know it isn't easy by any stretch of the imagination. All you Marines, Airmen, Anchor Clanker Navy guys, Coast Guard, Army, 
11 bang bangs, all of you, all your clandestine people like I was, your operatives, all your intelligence people, ladies and gentlemen, you should thank God we have men and women like that to protect our our country and our children. Say a prayer for them every day. Until Friday when we come back on the air with the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Friday edition, getting after lefty, anything goes. And I mean just hold on when you come on and listen Friday because you don't know what's going to happen. It's just one of those days when we really break loose getting after lefty. Until Friday, this is Gary Gatehouse saying, Good day. Skies for amber waves of rain for purple mountain majesties. Yes, it is.